Hi, everyone, and welcome to AB Conversations, where we will help you CFP your way out of it, a podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. Let's chat. Yeah, let's, let's talk. So today... We're going to talk about 529 plans and I think, or at least college, college education expenses and how in our world, we certainly hear a lot of questions or uh, a lot of interest from the grandparents yeah. who want to help cover those costs or contribute to plans on behalf of their grandchildren. So right. I think p- part of our role is to try to lay some groundwork the pros, the cons, there's many different ways to go about that. And we're just hoping to share some of those highlights on what works best, some tips and tricks to to look out for, um, and just share some general education. Yeah, I think we experience it a lot where clients get most excited when talking about their grandchildren. So um, there are many different ways that I think they could go about helping. And I would say Generally, uh, the whole domino effect of certain decisions is not really understood. So I think it's really important for us to go through what some of those dominoes are. And I would start right off the bat with whose asset is it, right? So I'll give a little background and then maybe you can give me your thought. Sure. Most times when some child is gonna go to school, there's going to be a FAFSA form filled out, right? Free applications for federal, federal student, aid. student aid. There you go. I think, mother, I think, I don't know. My mother would be disappointed. Um, <laughs> so that's going to get filled out. And that's basically the formula that says what kind of aid is the student potentially of, you know, is available to them. And there's this massive formula. We won't get into the details on parents' assets, parents' income, students' income, students' assets. And I think it's really important right off the bat to think, what role can the grandparent play here in not messing up that application? So what did I mean? So what did you mean? Am I I supposed to answer what you mean? Yeah. (laughs) Whose asset is it? Why does it matter? Yeah. So clearly in part of that equation, you never once mentioned, you know, the grandparent's income or the grandparent's asset. So that's, I guess, distinction, (laughs) distinction number one. Yeah, so and I, client, client comes to us and says, my son has a 529 plan. I want to help with their college education. Should I just fund that plan? Why open a second one? Yeah, and I think that's what we see. That's, that's the most common, right? Your child, who now has a child of their own, the grandchild, um, starts the 529 plan for their own child. And then that's just easily the the vessel to contribute to it already exists and that's just the path of least resistance let's just contribute to that build that account over time but to your point that is now a a parental own asset and that will show up in the expected family contribution and will need to get put towards that college education now i know that is still the intent that's why you would save for college right to help pay for college but it does, it does potentially impact the amount of, of grants and other, other financial aid that is available. So, yeah, so use, use the example of 
um, birthday money, um, maybe they're special yeah. occasions, maybe it's just you want to help on a more regular basis, right? We can give mm -hmm. the example of like time value of money is a good thing in this case. Um, you save up $100,000 for the education of the student and it's all in the parent's name. Going back to the expected family contribution, that's five or $6,000 per year that's gonna be disqualifying mom and dad from having, you know, to not have to pay for some of that education. 5.64% is the specific number. So it may not seem like a huge deal, but I mean, that's real money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we often hear it's, it's, it's the, the mental accounting of, we, we are trying to be diligent savers to cover this expense, but now we're, we're being somewhat penalized for also being those diligent savers to help cover these, these expenses. And, and obviously there's arguments to be made there, but right. yeah, the fa fact of the matter is, the more assets you have, the more income you have, it does limit the amount of free financial aid or, or grants that, that are available to students. So here's the flip side of that. When we think about grandparent-owned 529, it is their asset, right? Yep. So control and accessibility would mean that if for some reason the grandparent in this situation uh, goes through a tough time, maybe there's a lot of care costs that are needed, that money could be clawed back or it's not gonna be able to be used for the grandchild um, if they need to apply for Medicaid or something of that nature. Now, I would hope we never get ourselves to that point, right? If we're gonna be aggressively saving or helping with the child's education, rule number one is take care of yourself and make sure you have the assets to do that. But nonetheless, good to know. Yeah, exactly. I, I liken that to the, you're, you're on a plane, you're hitting turbulence or something worse, right? The oxygen mask falls down and they tell you, <laughs> put the mask on yourself first and then help either your seatmate or your family member <laughs> next to you. So same thing for any grandparent that wants yeah. to, <laughs> thanks for any grandparent that wants to help their grandchild or their child. More often than not, we would want to make sure that their situation Right. Their retirement looks okay, whatever. That, that, that those, their own costs are, are covered before you start to give away money that, that may have to come back, back to, to support your lifestyle moving forward. But the, I guess the, the other thing to note, and uh, maybe we just didn't explicitly say it, but we kind of alluded to it, kind of that loophole when it comes to the expected family contribution is for a 529 plan to be owned by the grandparent with the beneficiary listed as their grandchild. So it is still the intent to have it for the grandchild, but now instead of the parent, or now if we're, if we're the grandparent, your child owning the account, you're owning the account as the grandparent directly for your grandchild. Right. And then that completely eliminates uh, you know, that asset from the calculation. But as with everything else we talk about, of course there's caveats and there's one more little stipulation. Yeah. So, are you are you going to the domino here? We're probably yeah. thinking the same thing. Yep. So, okay. So the asset doesn't get included in any given year, but the income, right? So if it's a hundred thousand dollars that you have now set aside for your grandchild, and you take out ten thousand dollars to help pay for education costs in year one, that ten thousand dollars is going to show up as if it were income for the student, and now that is going to factor into next year's. FAFSA form and it's going right. to show up as, as income and it's going to show that there's going to be a higher expected family contribution and therefore less potential aid in future years. Right. And that kid's income, just to 
talk about why this really is relevant. If you took out $10,000, then 50% of the kid's income is expected to go towards education above an exclusion. I'm not remembering the number. It was like 6,000. Yeah, like, yeah 6,500, somewhere in that range. So, so in that math, that extra $3,500, right? 50% of that is going to be deducted from aid eligibility. So yeah. again, it's really just important to kind of understand the dominoes and try to find the sweet spots that you're comfortable with. But I think those are two dominoes. The asset, who owns it, and the income mm -hmm. when it shows up are sometimes what's not thought of when you're just trying to do the nice thing and, and save for the kid's education. Yeah. Yep. So I jump to a different part of the conversation then. Um, we often get questions then on like, how is that money managed? Or how do you go about trying to grow that money over time? Or what role is it going to play? Um, over that accumulation period between whenever you started the plan and college years. So mm -hmm. there's two different types of plans. Yes. And yeah. Maybe I'll throw it to you. <clears throat> yeah. So there's your, your typical, what, we, what we've been talking about is kind of the, the 529 plan investment based account, right? You're putting dollars in it. You have to choose some sort of investment option as yep. conservative as cash and as aggressive as, you know, the stock market. And that potentially will grow over time. The other side of things is uh, like a prepaid tuition plan where you're essentially buying credits, college credits at today's tuition prices that can be used in the future yeah. when theoretically they should be, you know, rising over time with the cost of, uh, you know, the cost of college increases is, has far outpaced the level of inflation that we've certainly seen here in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Yeah, so I think that's important to note. And of course, we can't know when, when somebody would ask, well, which one's better? Yeah. We, we don't have the ability to know where the cost of education will go. Certainly, it's, it's different if we're talking private institutions or public institutions. Sure. Who knows where legislation goes, right? That's certainly been in the news the last couple of years on what's going to happen with that rise in cost and what can be done. Um, but it's, it's just yeah. two different ways to go about it. Yeah, so I think the, the way that we often approach that is clearly there's pros and cons to each. There's you know caveats to each one. There's restrictions on on both. If if you know college changes in some way, shape, or form down the line, either specifically for that student or just you know there's the ideas floating out there that college education is going to be free in the future. Then why should I be saving? But I think ultimately the point is if the intent is to save. There's no wrong way to do that. It, it ultimately comes down to personal preference to some degree on, would you rather invest it or get some sort of, you know, quote unquote, guaranteed, you know, future credit purchase. Um, but it really is, there, there's, no, there's no wrong way. The important piece really is, if your intent is to do the saving, then doing the saving is, is step number one. Step two of yeah. deciding where to invest that is, is less important to us. Yeah, and start early. I think yeah. this is a great example, especially for you know those that maybe um, again are in that retirement phase of life, where maybe they're just managing their own kind of legacy plan, and now it's going to include some gifts to, to grandchildren. The time value of that money is just important to remember. You know, five thousand dollars a year, or break that down, four hundred sixteen dollars a month for eighteen years. Right, if you started as a baby, you know, a pretty moderate rate of return of 6% over 18 years. So that's almost $160,000, right? 
in, in today's math, right, cost of education today, that's a $40,000 a year school for four years, yeah. right? That's, that'll do it. You know, not that $416 a month is nothing, but that seems mm -hmm. kind of digestible if you're talking about making a huge impact to the student over time. Yeah, absolutely. You start saving at age nine, it would take $1,160 a month to get to that same level of savings, 160,000. Or if you did the 416, that's only $60,000 of savings. So just time value of money, those are vastly different numbers. No matter how you're going to save, doing it early, I think is key. Yeah, so then I'll, I'll slightly pivot and just stop me if you don't want me to, but I think there are beyond saving in advance for college, there's the other options on helping pay for those costs either in real time, right? If, if let's say the student is already in college, the grandparent can essentially just write a check, right? Cover that tuition bill directly to the college. Yeah. And therefore that doesn't show up in any calculation anywhere. By the way, if you're making the check directly to the institution, then that's not a gift for IRS gifting purposes, right? It, right. It never, it's never going to the child. It's on behalf of, uh, for the benefit of the child. So that's, that's one way that if grandparents or anyone wants to help fund college education, there's no saving, right? You're not getting any tax benefit for doing that other than, you know, avoiding potentially some, some gifting uh, rules. Um, but that's, yeah. that's one other way to help cover a cost in the, in the future. Yeah, and there's certainly situations um, that we come across every year in helping our clients where we pretty much say, hey, your legacy plan is set, right? Your job now is to efficiently get rid of these assets, <laughs> right? And that's a really nice way to do it because like you said, it doesn't go against that annual gift exclusion. So it's what's considered a nice gift and it's an easy, quick way to get money out of your state. So I like that one or I'll stay in that vein. Right, it's, it's one thing to help fund. It's another to fund while also teaching important life lessons, in my opinion, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. maybe helping them pay the college education bills, the student loans, after they're done is incentivize their working hard, right? If you continue to get good grades, if you work hard in this way, if you, know, you, you reach your goal of getting this job, then I'm gonna help you pay that back is yeah. another, I think, very meaningful way to make your gift that maybe wasn't the, on the front end of trying to you know, leverage your dollar into growth over time. Yeah, we, we've certainly seen that with clients. There's several examples in my head that, yeah, you, you put a little bit more weight on the student to kind of be an adult and you know, take the full weight of, of college yeah. decision and just the costs and everything associated with that. And then by the way, at some point in the future, if that means helping them pay that off, that's just a, a, you know, a happy surprise to them down the line. Yep, yep. Okay, and the other one that I have on that front would be some people like to just help them get started in another way, right? This would be the situation where somebody comes to us and the students maybe 16 or 17 years old already. You know, hey, I wanna help with it. Well, again, putting money into a savings plan, the impact of that is, pretty much gone at this point, right? You don't have that right. time value of money. Maybe yeah. it's helping fund a Roth IRA for them. Maybe it's helping with the home down payment. Maybe it's some other way outside of college savings that mm -hmm. you're getting them started off on the right foot and maybe teaching them some of the fiscal responsibility that we're assuming that they have. 
because right. they work with us. <laughs> sure. Um, I guess the only other thing that comes into my mind um, is when you have multiple grandchildren, you kind of brought this up earlier. Ownership, right? If the grandparent owns it, there is only one beneficiary per account, right? So right. Yeah. I guess theoretically five different grandkids, maybe you want five different accounts, but we would also kind of caution people that the last thing you want is to have money left over in this account. Because if you can't withdraw it for qualifying educational expenses, you got a 10% penalty. So there is something to be said for thinking situationally about, hey, maybe this one account is going to fulfill what I want to have happen for more than one grandchild. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a great point. And I guess the clarification there being, I think you can change the beneficiary on a 529 plan. So in your scenario, multiple grandchildren, let's say they're four years apart conveniently, or maybe they need five years apart to be convenient. Yeah. But yeah, you can, you can change a beneficiary on a 529 plan. I think what's once and every 12 months. So theoretically, right, one child graduates, you can change the beneficiary on that same plan to now the next grandchild going through college. And it's still all within that one account. Yep. And you're getting that, that growth over time without yep. having to start multiple accounts. It's, it's just a, another small you know, thing to note with 529 that you can essentially in perpetuity keep changing the beneficiary and it, it can last forever, theoretically, right? If at some point you pass away and now the, you can pass the ownership on to your child and now they can own this account if there's money still in it for their grandchild, it, you can keep passing it on. Now at some point, I'm assuming it's going to get spent, but that right. it is a it is a a nice feature that is completely different than you know any typical retirement account or non-retirement account that you can continue to change the yeah. beneficiary designation to essentially allow someone else to use those funds in any given year. So I think the big takeaways are think about how you want to go prioritizing helping them, right? And that may be saving on the front end. And if it is, I think mm -hmm. that takes a broader conversation not only with these dominoes that we're mentioning, but in coordinating efforts with the parents, right? Let's yeah. be, try to be smart about who's gonna own the asset, whose income it's gonna be, and how that's structured leading up to that time when you know, those FAFSA forms need to be filled out. Um, but on the back end, there's certainly many ways to make these gifts and many impacts that can be done. So, you know, if it sounds like a lot, give us a call. We've gone through it a couple of times. Yep. yep. Anything else to note? No, sir. All right. Once again, thank you for your time and your expertise. Likewise. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Adam and I really appreciate you tuning in. Please note that the opinions we voiced in the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be most appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, your accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to making any decisions or investing. Thanks for listening.